the thunder mutters. and Music Podcast presented by Becky Dello and Adam Horowitz. Episode 8 Responses to John Clare Welcome to episode eight of the Thunder Mutters. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. And this episode is all about responses from other poets and musicians to the work of John Clare. Once again, we've had many responses, so we're going to keep our talking quite brief. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a very lengthy episode and we'll just get straight on with it. The first up is a poem from Kate Noakes. Kate Noakes' latest book is The Filthy Quiet, published by Parthian Books. And here she reads from her work in progress, Lilac Elegies. Starting with a quote from John Clare's Shepherd's Calendar for the month of April. The season's beauties, all are thine, that visit with the year. The beauties that poets think divine, and all delight to hear. A holiday without the hassle. Clouds wear thin and rugged in the sky. Stratus, 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 roof the blue as a crow flaps from right to left across my window. The light breeze lifts the newly opened acer leaves. Children in the garden behind are unseen but content in their play. The sun is just about to disappear behind the tiles. Day 23, and I am happy in that way when you cannot go into the world. I'm glad I've recovered, as far as it's possible to tell, fully. Hostas unfurling, croziers of fern ditto, parrot tulips in green and cream with a touch of red are poised to frill about. The boys upstairs are playing funky music. All is right. Blossom and bounce. The late cherries are more profuse than their early cousins, everywhere redoubled. In the little corner park at night, a white glow of petals under street lamps, like snow-white cloths hung in the sun to dry. In the morning, a deep pink overflowing Askew Road by the bus stop. Both playgrounds are barred with shiny chains and padlocks. A council worker stood on the back of a pickup to remove the basketball hoops. Cathnor Park. Short, gruff bark. The pink moon is not pink. One night silver, the next yellow. But it is larger than at other times and in that sense, super, and in full view on my night walk, where the usual fox is no more surprised to see me than me him. He stares me out, 
approaches several paces, then brushes back into the shadows. Bare branches are silhouetted by the moon. Super, I want to bark. Old urban myths. Shepherd's Bush Green is a plague burial site, the unconscious dust that lies below. This is unconfirmed, but to this day planning permission is denied. You wouldn't want to be the, the person to find out, even though you know the infection dies with the victim, or soon after, or so they say. I didn't have time to be afraid before the sickness came upon me. Scared because of my asthma? Yes. Friends are increasingly nervous the longer it goes on and if they have susceptibilities. Better to have been an early adopter. Easy for me to say. Outdoor classroom. Children are rediscovering or discovering the pleasures of chalking on the pavement. Those joys which childhood claims its own are hearts and messages of love for the NHS. Hopscotch has the thrill of the new, but neither the girl nor her mother know how to play it. I look around for a handy stone. None are at arm's length. Nature is getting on. Easter Sunday in Home Park, a mute swan is incubating eggs, her nest huge, the new bulrushes sording around her. Her cob gliding on the dew pond, three black carp sporting, Skylarks high above meet the sun with fluttering wing, always unseen but well heard. Somewhere a woodpecker hammering and a surprising kestrel hovering in rosy blue then pouncing his mate on her nest in the hollow of a rotten tree, her camouflage perfect against the cream and brown of the oak. And cherry blossom, fat, pink as our bare arms cooled only by an imaginary splash from the fountains of long water. Hampton Court, a mile distant, and bright in this unexpected April light. No one is troubled by anything louder than water and birdsong, as birds with louder song each morning's glory cheers. Aeroplanes and traffic noise are distant in the memory. We cracked the back of it. I had forgotten that a day of physical toil is actually enjoyable. Five hours of fence painting before my back started to complain. One more day and it will all be done. Then the tedium of trellis. Singing in its little summer notes again, Robin stops by to check on our progress. A fat wood pigeon tries to eat peanuts from the feeder without success. I consider a net and buttery sauce. Barnes Common, Beverly Brook. My friend's birthday starts with the spe speckled breast of a missile thrush, progresses past ransoms, bluebells and cow parsley to the clear brook surprise of a moorhen and her solitary chick. And we are smiling glad to see such things once more. Rebellion is cutting the red and white tape from a bench, or lying a while in the hot grass, 
or singing of revolution under the new leaves of oak. Next, we have a setting of John Clare's poem, Remember Dear Mary, performed and arranged by David Rowe. Remember, dear Mary, love cannot deceive. Love's truth cannot vary. Dear Mary, believe. You may hear and believe it. Believe it and hear. Love could not deceive it, those features so dear. Believe me, dear Mary, to press thy soft hand is sweeter than riches in houses and lands. Where I press thy soft hand. tremble that cannot deceive. And knowing I love, feel, and adore, the more I behold, only love thee the more.
Love's truth cannot marry, dear Mary, believe. Next up is Martin Figura, a Norwich-based poet and performer. His latest book, and the touring show that goes with the book, is Dr. Zeman's Catastrophe Machine, published by Cinnamon. His poem is called Shepherd's Warnings. Shepherds' warnings. Skies are red, gloves are blue, a girl, a boy, no kisses or embraces, tin tomatoes, pasta, toilet rolls, love is patient, love is kind, in Preston, innocent new season lambs whirl a merry-go-round, turn, 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 dog shit bags hang trembling from a fence, blossoms euphoric, scent unconfined, black car, Silver car, Deliveroo bike, swiftly cross, avoid the cracks, a quickening of anoraks, Pac-Man ghosts along the path. Hello, Mr Magpie, how's your wife? Isn't it warm for the time of year? Listen to the river, listen to the owl, to the rain, hearken your neighbours, rowing through the wall, pipistrelle soprano in the underpass, a child hides a doll in a hollow tree, a bear's at large in a marketplace, hold fast to your remaining luck, lilac may well bloom before Beltane, stay at home, mute your grief, when nesting's done, fledgling's flown, thin the woods, then set a fire. The almanac's pages scatter, lost to last year's drifted leaves. The cabbage seeds all are sown. The earth inhales. The next poet is Julianne Raoul, whose latest collection is Exposure, published by Turas Press. Here she reads Brown Hair, Orkney. Brown Hair, Orkney, after Hairs at Play by John Clare. In the situtery, I wait for her to appear on the lawn. She's early today, lolloping into view, those long back legs almost an inconvenience. She stops to scratch her ear, though she knows I'm here behind the glass where an image of her sits in clay. She pauses again near the pampas grass, still cast in dew a lick or two. I wonder how long she'll stay, each moment is a golden length I plan around. It's mating season and she'll soon be boxing males who tried their luck. I move too suddenly to reach my coffee cup and she starts. Quick with fright she's up, zigzagging across the uneven ground, atop the dry stone wall and gone into the tussocks out of sight, though I strain to see her still. I'll be bereft of her company until the happy morn. The next poet to respond to John Clare is Jane Lovell, whose latest pamphlet is This Tilting Earth, published by Seren. Her poem in response to Clare is called Field Fairs. They steal away sunlight on belly and wing, each stipple and streak, each blade edge tilted to the wind. Below their squabbling, their barrelling, tin scrape scolding, the determined unpicking of this low grey sky, we trace a line back to silence. In its lee, find a portal to another time, a hollowway to copse and clearing, leaf and riotous winding weed, an eternity of green, 
A pool where you can lie and dream among the curious flickering fry. There is a path, but camouflaged. An old way, trodden by the ghosts of sheep, hidden in the rain, lingering on twigs, their mystical upside world. Only your mind can steal into this world. Your bones, your terrible human heart, you must leave behind. The first tune I play is called Grinder. At Claire's time was possibly a mishearing of the word grenadier. It appears in many English manuscripts, but I think in Hardy's manuscript it appears as the grenadier, but it does appear as the grinder in a lot of others. The next poet is Philip Gross. Philip's latest collection is a bright acoustic from Blood Axe. Here he delves into John Clare's use of punctuation, or lack of use thereof, with his poem Pointings. Pointings for John Clare. I wish I could read this epigraph from Clare's own letters in his voice with his accent. I am generally understood, though I do not use that awkward squad of pointings, gold commas, colons, semicolons, etc., and for the very reason that, although they are drilled hourly, daily, and weekly by every boarding school miss who pretends to gossip in correspondence, they do not know their proper exercise before they even set grammarians at loggerheads and no one can assign them their proper places. Distrust me, John. When you look at this page with its commas and dots, you'll hear the hammering of fence posts, gangs of pointings come to hedge you in. Put you right meant in the wrong place, wrong mind. Come to improve you, friend, which meant enclosure. How can we be in our right minds? When we speak and the land can't answer, when your words can't obey, the gusts and gather of their own music, like starnels refolding the sky in their flight. You knew that song needs no punctuation. Like the bumbarrels scatter thrill off through the coppice, there, gone into marginal notes, my spotter's guide. Forgive us our improvements, John. Let language live. The next poet to read is Alan Hughes, a singer and a poet, who's working on his MA at Bath Spa University at the moment. Here he is, reading Only Chrysalides Remain. Only Chrysalides Remained. When grievances begin their overtaking, they pass like moths. I turn back sometimes to run their lines down, see what home they're from, 
I find their dry chrysalides hanging from myrtle trees, tired out, prized open. It is in mortal proofs I can find joy, not of integration being the only way, but by making some illiterate rituals with the already flown truth, plucking the old jackets from the branches, rubbing them slowly between my palms. They open the dust to the next tailwind and leaving the last of it, stuck to sweat in my hand's fortune lines, to the water, in the brook, or wiped into the morning grass. The next set of tunes are played by Neil Brooks from Clare's manuscript and are called Tommy Jenkins and Lady Compton's Whim. The next poet is David Clark. David's latest collection, The Europeans, is published by Nine Arches Press. In his poem, The North Road, he invokes Clare's style in a modern landscape. The North Road for John Clare. I laid my head towards the north to dream again the old road's course among the treeless fields. 
the winter's hedges had been slashed, their splintered bones were putting on new stars of green, but corpses splayed where cars had caught the badger's flank, the rabbit's harried flight. With motion's habits hushed, old silence claimed the sky, the verge was mad with butterflies, the sparrow puffed and chittered on his hawthorn branch, while carrion was beaked apart by leisured crows. Cow parsley feathered every ditch, where still old vans would park to pitch the junk of all their working days into the tangled briar. The haze of midday buzzed my woken ear, by my slow motion made to hear the mouse and vole nest building deep within their world of loam and leaf. Now, climbing on a ragged stile, I looked ahead some half a mile to where a rank of metal huts stood dark upon the plain. A hut was hung about that place, of life that's caged in artificial light. The breeze brought stink of poor fruit birds that suffer in their pens unheard. So that's the price of all that's cheap. The freedom we demand to eat, high fences raised so we don't see how freedom becomes tyranny. A swooping buzzard drew my eye to that unchanged horizon where I imagined liberty's place. Now human industry was still, I'd truant on that thoroughfare, to loose my mind before it was lost, and choose the path to my idea of home that lay at the end of the northern road. The next poet to read is Katie Evans Bush, a poet, a critic and a teacher. Her most recent poetry pamphlet, Broken Cities, was published by the Poetry Business and a collection of essays, Forgive the Language, by Penned in the Margins. Here's her poem, Oft Have I Travelled, revelling in the sort of minute details that Claire writes so well. Oft have I travelled. Evening light hits the garden like a paint bomb, drenches the rusty gooseberry patch and the loganberries, drowns the tumble-down flowers in the compost heap with its surround of corroded metal grates glowing orange, explodes and throws its shrapnel straight at my eyes. So it's no wonder, you see, that I can't see. It makes me a Midas, my green-fingered fingers golden in the dirt, where everything I touch becomes... Well, focus on something little, this flower borage. This one's really borage, the others aren't. Their furry leaves will prick you if they can, and their flowers, though pretty, are small. A clump of languid, fading violet poppies stand nervously and elegantly apart. There's a garden pond, in reality an old bath with algae and rusty tide mark, sunken earth the plastic whiteness of its curling lip undisguised by bits of broken rock and several garden center animal figures that pin it to the landscape where it sits. 
I am, I tell myself. I am. This crazy spring opens out now into this garden where the paint bomb day after day explodes. My question, who, holds also what and where and how. We only live in three dimensions at a time. Three dimensions. Three months of sweats and virus trapped in a flat as dark and triangular as one of those glass prisms we were once given, but shut inside a box where no colors happen. Or maybe that was just inside my head. Week after week, I leaned like an old drawing out the old little window, out of perspective like everything. Steeply pitched like everything. The rooftops opposite with their red clay tiles have jostled at different angles for so long. The roofers who laid them were herbs against the plague and swore at their work in the filthiest Middle English. Roof peaks and chimneys rise like Jerusalem artichoke. They remain untroubled by events which happen and recede, several per century. Read those tiles and read the brick of the road, and where two rooftops meet, there's a gutter, and where it's bent at the join, the sparrows play. I've been digging out a vegetable patch, and every time I stop to catch my breath, recalibrate the little stabbing pains, a scruffy-feathered, restless robin hops along the handle of my garden fork tame as a budgie, and casually eats the wood lice I've decanted from their homes. I sit and watch him, then we watch each other. This shed's my shotgun shack, though it came to me legally, I swear, and you said the same, like the ones in New Orleans, and also the ones covered with honeysuckle which we sucked as kids to drink the honey. I sit in front on the weathered wooden box I call my porch, like an outlaw resting on his pile of coins. The robin hops around like an overseer wherever he wants to go and tests the goods, while the seagulls on a roof outside the garden watch the sky. I watch from my wooden box, earthbound but getting better, and swig cold tea. They fly. You'll soon fly there, free, and filled with all the Kentish gold you could absorb in these few months. And I'll stay here. I sit beneath the corrugated plastic eaves and look at Mrs. Blackbird and the robin. This is going to be my adventure. And the blinding garden is my asylum. And the bit of me that breaks off and leaves, breaks off and leaves. The next tune I play from Claire's manuscript is Stony Steps, also known as Jenkins and thought to date from 1859 uh, in Scottish print that was found. <laughs> David Irwin's second collection, Plain Song from the Back Streets of Silence, was released early this year. Here's his poem, The Poet Rises from Untroubled Soil After More Than 150 Years and Muses on His Life. 
I found the poems in the fields and only wrote them down. John Clare. I couldn't stop the poem's frenzied coming. Mad I was for words to tell the jackdaw's tale. Watched the ants, the bees, gazed up at clouds as I lay low by haunt of hare or heron and felt the elm's leaves tremble in the storm. Mad I was to squat down beside a blackthorn bush and try to turn to words the throstle's song or lean my back against the garden wall and take out a scrap of paper, stub of pencil to describe the nest of nightingale or yellow wagtail. Mad I was to play the fiddle like my father, to sing the old songs of village folk and sit and listen in the gypsy camps, to become myself a decent scraper and write down songs and tunes for ever after. Mad I was to roam the fields and fen alone whenever there was light enough to see and take a book to feed my ravenous mind and, weary with the work of a winter's day, strain the eyes by firelight or candlelight. Mad I was to walk the marble halls of fame in my labourer's hobnail boots, as if I could hold my own with the London literati, me and my awkward worked chapped hands, and my peasant vernacular speech. Mad I was, or so they said, when the gloomy mood of melancholy and misanthropy seized my happy mind, would have me live in a madhouse prison, exiled from the cherished woods and fields of home. Mad I was, and mad I stayed, imprisoned and yet free, to wander fields and write my verse, to sleep at last in sweet untroubled earth, the starry heavens my blanket, the earth below my pillow. Up next is a setting of John Clare's I Am by Patrick Lester Rourke. What I am, none cares or knows. My friends forsake me like a memory lost. I am the self consumer of my woes. They rise and vanish in oblivious host like shadows in love. Frenzied, stifled throes And yet I am And live like vapors nothingness of scorn and noise into the living sea of waking dreams where there is neither sense of life or joys but the vast shipwreck of my life's esteems even the dearest that 
Grass below, above the vaulted sky. The next poet is a great New Zealand poet I met in Croatia at a festival a few years ago. His name's David Howard, and his latest collection is The Ones Who Keep Quiet from Otago University Press. Stalking. You can't escape ghosts. They'll take you through countless memories to the future. It's a neighbouring field, the dew ready for light footsteps, soil like iron ore, redder than sunset. Limbo's dull. Some tremble as they recall the hill road that pilgrims followed, quizzical glances lifted like the Dorian mode, then lowered symmetrically. The lost miss earth, sure as they miss heaven, their souls draw concentrically ordered circles on a pool of fire when sunset upon sunset glows over the shoulders of the avenging angel. Those ghosts never suppose forgiveness is what comes to the dying, a childish illusion. After so much suffering, what has God got planned? Just as eels slide up a river bank, the dead come to feed from your right hand and leave their regrets on the sand. The next poet is Tiffany Atkinson. Her fourth collection, Lumen, is due out early next year from Blood Axe. Song Notes for John Clare When you've bowed the slack strings on the inside long enough, you slip the lock and vanish. Only soaked and indigo and knotted with song why call it thin air? It's a system of notation how the cuckoo drops its right angles and fills the wood with little corners. There are no rooms in the built world like it. Set it down for something to be worked at and your head will open and the sky will pour in. Brace against the windy pole of language that is walking it's an old work and a freedom. Never mind the commons hedged on all sides and they're out to fetch you. They have reached the cross at Northborough. 
Here's Patty with a blanket, and another in her winding sheet. O minor third, O brief suspended cord, the cuckoo in the deep wood spills her pitcher. And what busy publishers the trees, and so much whispering. You must have done great things indeed. This must be such a homecoming. You'll find it. There's a note for everything. Claire's manuscript has the tune Peggy's Band in it, which was published by a country dance tune publisher called Thompson in 1773, but it's possibly a corruption of a tune called Peggy's Bourne, which is a song melody with links to Ireland and Scotland. The next poet to read is an English poet based in Canada, called Alan Hill. At one point, he says, pre-Canada, he lived in Northampton, where he would watch punk bands at the John Clare Arts Centre, a small ex-primary school, and also held a summer job driving a truck delivering meals to the local psychiatric hospitals. John Clare, he says, was always somewhere in the air. Here he is reading his poem, The Enclosures. The Enclosures for John Clare. I was 16, worked on a farm, when I learnt about subservience, feudalism. I learnt my place. All week I painted the barn, ate my sandwiches in the cold outside the stodgy middleweight farmhouse, where I imagined the farmer, an even more imaginary nubile daughter, devouring roast beef in front of a cathedral-sized fireplace polished shotguns, ancient photos of grub-bodied children in the straight-backed, born-to-rule poses of successful land grabbers. On my last day, as I planned my escape, we put nose rings through the pigs, pressed metal through bone to ear-slicing squeals, discharge and mucus, as we broke them from one last semblance of their natural selves. The next poet to read is Sarah Tate, a poet, haiku writer and beach walker, living and working in Thanet. Here's her poem, Royce Wood, Helpston. Royce Wood, Helpston. On the cusp of the burgeoning. Spring about to spring and the sun unsprung. The clock just stretched to fling the surge of light unbraked, unbound. In the heat of the strengthening, steps to tread and spring with the sun, fullening. The time to ring the burst of uncaught songs, rebound. The next poet is Rebecca Gethin. Rebecca's latest book, her fourth collection, is called Vanishings and is published by Palewell Press. Micromis Minutus I found a ball of grass among the hay. John Clare 
vertical tightrope artist in a swaying world. She whisks to the quivering seed head, hardly bowing under mouse weight. Cheeks filled with grain, she sprints head first down the stem, depending on thumbed hind feet, long claws and a tail coiling to grip and balance among flux and risk to her nest purse, plaited between stalks and with no discernible door. The final poet is Jessica Mukherjee, whose second collection of poetry, Tigress, was published by Nine Arches Press. Here's her poem, If John Clare Was My Father. If John Clare Was My Father He might have taken me to look at what makes a land and person. Counted my metres by weather, held my hand as I stumble from rocks into spaces that he could understand. I might ask him where summer comes from. Now it arrives sure-footed as I slip into ditches and fissures. Locked down since March, this village retreats to where I am, with just an hour's walk to see bluebells turn to the brightening light and blend into a streak of flesh that withers to make way for wild garlic, fern, then quaking grass, then soft rush. That's where I am, in the in-between. Wildflower and weed, wedged in his words and this summer. My bold clothed God is in good mood because his dinner's just right. Nothing's yet smashed. He sits reclined, reading the ancient poet's tales of seasons, a courtly flourish from a distant land. He can still taste its spice on the back of his tongue. There is another voice in the sedge grass, a poor boy singing with words as sharp as a violin of a God that gives and takes. A man a few doors down waves at me from his mother's house where he's lived 70 years sleeps in the same bed where she bled into streams of iron-rich springs. I'm where the rocks break, the breeze between hedges and verges and settles, twists into the shape of our shadows. That's where I am, a place where rivers force upwards burst through in a gash of small wounds. That's where I am. It would be my home if John Clare was my father.
So that was Becky rounding us off beautifully with Bard's Legacy, an appropriately named tune if ever there was one for this podcast. Thank you so much for your contributions and also thank you for listening. If you'd like to head over to the Kofi page to put a few pounds in to help us with our costs for hosting the podcast with Captivate, that would be wonderful. www.kofi.com, K-O hyphen F-I forward slash the thunder mutters. And thank you for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight's time with the August section of John Clare's Shepherd's Calendar. We look forward to your company then. Take care.